Well, hello, Heritage friends, family, and guests. We are so glad, again, that you have decided to tune in and hang out with us today for our time in worship and connecting with one another, with God and our purpose. It's a beautiful time of year. As you can see behind me, the trees have started to change their color. The weather has definitely gotten colder. We're starting to wear sweaters, and some of you are very excited about this, and others of you are dreading the coming winter. But no matter where you are today, we are so glad that you have joined us for this time. We are really excited just in the same way that the seasons are kind of changing. Here at Heritage, we're starting a brand new series called Everyone, where we are looking and discussing and celebrating the ways that God is inviting us to connect with everyone, how to love and serve those who are within our walls, but more importantly, those who are outside of our walls. So we're looking at all the different partnerships that Heritage has the privilege of being a part of, as well as how we are invited to continue to love and serve the people of God and those around us. One of the great privileges that we have as a church is to continue to see the ways that God changes lives. And so we celebrate that each week as people let us know that they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and we're able to journey along with them. And one of those steps in that journey is inviting people into the waters of baptism. And baptism is a great way that people express their faith. And they're just saying, I am choosing to let everyone around me know that I am a follower of Jesus. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been able to have a number of people step into the waters of baptism during our services. And so this is a joyful time in the life of heritage. And we're praying for you that you would continue to step into the joy that God has for you today. Let's celebrate and then worship together.
the song of the redeemed rising from the African plain. It's the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain. Song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of a grateful choir. Come on, sing. And all God's children singing glory, glory. Yeah. 
children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. One more time. All God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. And all God's children singing glory, glory, Hallelujah, He reigns. I love it when we have a chance to sing songs that declare that. But the reality is that we're human. We're not always perfect at allowing God to step in and actually reign in our lives and in our community. So as we step into the message today, I'd like us as a church family to pray this prayer out loud together, asking God to do that for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for inviting us into an eternal life of being wanted, desired, known, loved, and celebrated. Holy Spirit, help us to experience the kinds of deep connections and community for which we are made. Guide our hands to reach out and welcome others so they know they belong. Guide our minds to understand the power and bravery of vulnerability. Guide our actions to create communities open to the gifts of each individual. Give us understanding that your body is incomplete if people are left behind because everyone's presence matters. Give us the courage to stand up to the forces willing to destroy or devalue life because of fear and prejudice. We pray all of this in the holy and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. My name is Poon, and I'm from Burma, also known as Myanmar. Poon has lived in the United States since 2009, coming here as a refugee with his family to escape oppression in Burma. You may have heard about Burma in the news because of the military coup currently taking place, a symptom of a long-term disease afflicting the country for decades. So, growing up, never seen a car, never seen even a bike, and, and I was born in the kitchen without no nurse, no doctor. Um, sometime, we didn't even have a food for tomorrow. My parents have to go and find in the jungle like, for food for tomorrow. I'm the oldest, so so much responsibility. I'm like, I gotta look after all my sibling, my sister and two brothers, and, and like so much responsibility, top of my school and stuff. Don't really have school systems. Yeah, growing up in Burma under uh, dictatorship military is um, is so different than what we're see and hear in America. The military want just want to control the country and uh, just for themselves. Wielding influence and power through violence and intimidation, the Burmese military has been a source of oppression for years. 
especially to the people of Chin State, where Poon is from, because of their stance as a Christian state in a predominantly Buddhist country. They'll come into our village and like they took whoever that can uh, work for forced labor. And there's a lot of time my dad would escape to sleep at night in the jungle. And they just want a rule. There's nothing we can do about it. So this is control over everything. After witnessing murder, torture, and the ravaging of their country, many from Burma chose to find ways to escape the tyranny of the military. My dad found a way to escape to Malaysia for work visa. So after two years, uh, my mom joined to my dad in Malaysia and um, it took her three months after a year later and they call us and then they said, you guys will be coming and we have to escape the country like before they kill us, basically. I was age 13 at the time. I think my youngest brother was two and my um, second brother was uh, about four and my sister was about seven. At the time, uh, escaping is very, very risky. Poon and his brothers and sister had to escape on foot to start making their way to their parents in Malaysia with the help of a group working to traffic people from one country to the other. They would have to cross the Thailand border, avoiding the Burmese military, authorities looking for fleeing refugees, and those looking to take advantage of their desperate situation, a journey that many had attempted to make and one which had claimed many lives. They would walk, be stuffed in the trunks of cars, and hide on boats to travel the 1,800-mile journey with nothing but the clothes on their backs and hope that their oppression would soon be behind them. It was really, really tough. I have my little brother in my back and hold my sister hand and brother hand, and we run into the jungle in Thailand, middle of nowhere. One, one night, we were in the ocean with a boat full of people without lights and and my sister were there my brother was there and holding my brother and they said hey don't let the kid cry if they do cry then we'll throw them into the ocean so we don't get a rest I had to give my brother sleeping pill and that was really tough for me we don't have food water in the ocean in three days and three nights. Going through all of that and at a young age, responsible for my sibling, and which is really tough. And all my hope and whatever I could think about is, oh, we'll see my mom and dad in there. And that's all I could think of. Like, even we're hungry, just tell my sibling, we're almost there. Mom and dad will pick us up. And I still remember 
my mom and dad picked me up. They picked us up, and I was crying. I couldn't think of anything else. Justice, this endless river of righteous living that we're called into, is, friends, going into the darkness, setting right what is wrong in the power of Jesus. Justice, it's addressing what is broken and protecting the vulnerable. It's demanding dignity for others, regardless of what they look like or sound like, regardless of where they're from, regardless of who they sleep with, regardless of who they voted for or whether they annoy us or not. Justice, it's working to see the goodness of God right here, right now for everyone. Well, good morning again, friends. Uh, I so appreciate, I love the story that God is telling through Heritage and, and the story that Poon is inviting us into as part of what has happened in his life, how God is even now at work there, and, and how Heritage plays a part in the story God is writing through his life. I, I'm so grateful for the power of story. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Jeremiah. I get to be one of our teaching pastors here. And if, we, if we've met or you've heard a message that I've gotten to participate in, you know I often like to start with a personal story, and, uh, and today's no different, but before I get to the story, I, I want to kind of preface it with a, with a couple of things. One is that this, this story for me that I'm about to tell you is, is really hard for me to share with you. Because you see, there are some stories of ours that are kind of just raw, that are, that are still very kind of present. There's a vulnerability in it. And this is one of those stories for me. There, there are some of our stories where we're kind of still waiting to see how God is going to bring redemption and healing and fullness in that. And, and this is one of those stories for me. There are some of our stories that aren't just our stories, they're connected with others. It's kind of the story of other people as well. And uh, when I'm sharing moments like this, I want to be really careful that I'm honoring the others who are part of this, that I'm not trying to tell their story for them, that I'm, I'm loving and caring for them in that space as well. And this is one of those stories. You see, uh, my name is Jeremiah, my last name is Gomez. You wouldn't know that my last name is Gomez necessarily to look at me, but if you were to meet my dad, Luis Rolando Gomez Ruiz, you would know why my last name is Gomez. He looks the part, every, every part of it. And uh, when I was growing up, my nuclear family uh, fractured. My parents divorced, and uh, we started living in two different spheres. And so on some Sundays, I would join my dad's family, the Gomez family. After we would maybe go to Mass, we would join at my Nana's family table. Nana Idolina would make a big, huge, multiple-course meal. I mean, guys, we are talking like fresh tacos and tamales and frijoles and arroz and 
tortillas. Oh, praise the Lord. I mean, it was like the, the Lord is in this place, right? I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I know we're getting to lunchtime, but uh, I'm pretty sure fresh tortillas are going to be at the banquet in heaven. I'm pretty sure. So, like, it was just, it was amazing. And she would make these great big meals. And, and then there were other Sundays where I was at the, the family table of my mom's parents. And, and my mom, her name is Laurel Strasshofer. And she looks like her name should be Laurel Strasshofer, okay? She looks like she came from a family who maybe immigrated generations ago from Europe and has a name like Strasshofer, which is, you know, her name. So that explains a little bit of why I have a last name, Gomez, but I, I don't necessarily always look like I would fit with somebody who has that last name. And at the Strasshofer table, we might go to church or, or might not, but, but at dinner we would have meat and potatoes. And I mean like meat and potatoes. There were mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, roasted potatoes, stewed potatoes. I mean it was just like, it was potatoes, meat and potatoes. That's what we would have. It was good food, it was meat and potatoes. Sometimes we might have roasted vegetables, maybe hamburgers and hot dogs, but, you know, this was our family table. What I remember most about that growing up space isn't just the, the two family dynamics or, or, or the meals at these family tables, but the family dynamics that were there. Because, you see, as I would hear the conversation around these tables, the folks at the meat and potatoes table would often have conversation about the kinds of people who sat around tacos and tamales tables. They weren't kind conversations. In fact, they were, they were overtly disgusting. I didn't know what to do with that. Because I was here at the meat and potatoes table, but half of me belonged over here at the tacos and tamales table. So how, how can half of you be unlovable? People are a, are a whole thing, right? It's take it or leave it, all or nothing. I didn't know what to do with that. And then over at the tacos and tamales table, there were conversations I still remember where they were much warmer, I, I felt much more accepted, but there was an awareness I had that, that there was kind of a classism here. You see, the people at the tacos and tamales table, they actually had, had worked really, really hard and achieved a level of success many, many of us aspire to. And so there was conversation about the specific people at that meat and potatoes table and how they were kind of white trash. I didn't know what to do with it. Guys, I was so desperate to just belong at one of those two tables. To know that I was welcomed to sit and eat and be a full value member of either one of those tables and I felt like I couldn't belong anywhere. That there was nowhere for me to show up because on, on the one hand, I was too much like the tacos and tamales people and on the other hand, I was too much like the meat and potatoes table and so where was I gonna belong? Where was I going to find a space where I could be, where people would love me for me? And so I've spent, you know, really a lot of my adult life trying to create space where people can belong as they are. You see, my family isn't the only one that deals with issues of brokenness and who sits at what table and what value they bring. My guess is in your story, there are tables that you have been desperate to find yourself invited to. Maybe they're tables of relationship and fellowship and family, like my story. 
Maybe for your, for your story, it's tables of, of opportunity and power and to know that your voice matters. We all have spaces and places where we're, we're desperate to be invited to the table. And we also live in such a way where, where some of us feel like it's our job to help guard who sits at our table. As we, as we care for our families and, and want to be really careful about who joins in with our family. If we're a leader in an organization and we want to be really, really careful about what happens to the culture of our company. If we, if we think about you know, what, what our neighborhood is and how we can be the warmest neighborhood, how do we help keep and guard that? You see, all of us have spaces where we find on the one hand, we are desperate to be invited and welcomed to the table and on the other hand, we feel like we've got to help guard some of the tables that we're at. How do we live in that tension? How do we, how do we figure out what it looks like to be people who, who live out the message and hope of Jesus in that kind of tension? And the, the truth is, we're not the first ones who have struggled with that. We're not the first ones who have lived in these kind of competing worlds. In fact, all of the ministry of Jesus takes place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John within groups of people who are fighting to build their own tables and identify who gets to sit at them and who doesn't, literally and figuratively. The whole ministry of Jesus is all about that. And one of the things that I discover in the ministry of Jesus is that he doesn't just bridge between all of these different tables. Jesus takes an active role in tearing the different tables down and then building one great big table. In fact, there's a story, sort of, along those lines. In fact, we find Jesus in this story actually seated at a literal table. He's been invited to a banquet that's hosted by a member of the, of the religious leaders, a group who's actively trying to destroy Jesus and end his ministry. That's what they're trying to do. It's a group of people called the Pharisees. And so a leading Pharisee invites Jesus to a banquet, to the table. Also seated at the table that day is a man who has, we don't know for how long, but dealt with a very serious malady. So much so that Jesus sees this man with his swollen belly and asks all of the people around the table, hey, is it okay for me to, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath day of rest or not? Because this happened to be the day of rest and worship called Sabbath. Everybody around the table is afraid to give Jesus the wrong answer, so they don't answer anything. And he goes ahead and he heals the man, which to me reminds me that every day is a great day to receive healing and the wholeness of life that Jesus has for you. And then he starts to give this advice about, hey, when you find yourself invited to a banquet like this one, make sure that you respond with humility and an awareness of, of who you are. He kind of gives some really practical advice, even about like where to sit at a big banquet like this. And as he's sharing that, there's somebody in the crowd who says, oh, won't it be amazing when we get to sit and eat at God's banquet table? And there's a little catch, there's a thread that's running through the conversation that we might miss the first time we read it, but it's there, and kind of the, the unspoken part of that question is, isn't it gonna be great when we get to sit at the table of God and all of the riffraff isn't there? Isn't that gonna be awesome? Jesus, in the way that only he can, actually speaks to who's invited to the table. And he does it by telling a story. So he replies in Luke chapter 14, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. 
At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Pause. So, probably a year or two in advance, this man invited people to a great, big, huge party of the kind that, that mo- most of us don't quite fully understand. It was a banquet that would probably take a day or two or three to participate in. So you put it on your calendar well in advance. It's likely a wedding feast. So it's an important day by a leader, a master of a house, who's inviting people to a kind of party that they might get invited to once or twice in their lifetime if they're lucky. So then they all alike, verse 18, began to make excuses, the scriptures say, it's what it's saying is really terrible excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I gotta go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. It's like a farmer saying, I just bought five really expensive farm tractors. I gotta go kick the tires. The dude's got staff to take care of that for him, right? But he's just kind of saying, this isn't as important as I thought it was. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. I forgot I was getting married. Oops. Bad excuse. The servant came back and reported to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the servant does that, and he says, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste at my banquet." Picture this moment. Seated at the head of the table as Jesus is telling this story is a man who's part of the group of people who are actively trying to kill him and end his ministry. Seated at the table is a man who shouldn't have been invited out because he's so deformed and sick, but there he is and Jesus healed him. Seated at the table are others everywhere in between. Some think they belong there and some think they don't. Around the house, open by the open windows, are people peeking in to see what Jesus will say and do and what it is that they're missing out on. So this is the context of what Jesus is saying. And I think if we could boil down the statement that Jesus makes in that whole story is this. Are you ready for it? You belong, and your presence matters. He's saying it to the man who is actively pursuing his end. He's saying it to the one who needs healing. He's saying it to the ones that don't think they belong. You belong, and your presence matters. He's declaring it loud and clear if people will just hear it. And see, there's this warning at the end. It kind of just punctuates the whole moment where he says, and guess what? Anybody who was invited and said no, they're not going to get to participate at all. It's a warning for us, yes, to say we must receive and respond to the invitation of Jesus who gave himself for us. Yes, that's true. But in the context of the day that he's giving it in, he's also indicting the people who felt like it was their job to declare who was and wasn't invited to the table. He's indicting them because the people who rejected it in the story are the religious leaders in the day of Jesus who were trying to define who was invited to the table and not. They felt like it was their job to preserve the purity of the table. And Jesus answers that by saying, no, no, no. Because of me, you belong and your presence matters. Friends, there are some of you here today 
who you've been desperate to find a space to belong, to have a full value place of connection and bringing value. It is found in Jesus. There are some of you who you wonder at work, at home, maybe at school, if you were to disappear, would anybody even know? The stuff that you're working through and pressing into, it seems like it's so small and you just wonder if anybody would even notice if you weren't there. And I believe by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is speaking to you today and saying you belong and your presence matters. Bring all of who you are into the spaces that you're in because you belong and your presence matters. One of the ways that the scriptures talk about this whole idea of who gets invited to the table, of who's, who's living in community and fellowship, is actually a term that we use today. It's called tribe. In fact, in the scriptures, we're told that in Jesus, every tribe and tongue finds its home, that there's this, the tribes of Israel. And so, in the dictionary, you'd find this definition for, for what a tribe is. A tribe is a social group that's composed of families, of clans, of generations, all sharing ancestry and language, or it's a, it's a group of people uh, having common character, occupation, or interest. Now, that's helpful, but let's kind of boil it down into how we might talk about that. You see, I think in a nutshell there, a tribe is actually a connected group where we share in who we are for. That's a tribe. It's a connected group in when we share in who we are for. You see this as we're talking about the tribe of Jesus. In the scriptures, you see that Jesus expands the definition of tribe to anyone who belongs to him. They're part of his tribe. And Jesus is for everyone to know the fullness of life and thriving. See, the challenge for us, though, is in today's day and age especially, we have moved away from being people who seek to live as a tribe for those around us and have insisted on spaces of tribalism. If a tribe is rallying around who and what we're for, tribalism is where we rally people around who and what we are against. We see it happening all around us that the, the groups that are forming are more about who we can be against than what we can be for. And I want you to hear this from me with a heart of love for you and expectancy about what God has for us as the capital C church. There is no place for tribalism in the church. It is dark, it is sinful, it is to be left behind. Because the tribe of Jesus, well, that's a space where we can be defined by the purpose and presence of Christ as we live for those around us. Tribalism will fracture us and move us away from the goodness of God every time. The tribe of Jesus is about looking and seeing who, do, who needs to hear the hopeful truth that you, your presence matters, that you belong. Tribalism will move us to a place where we're active in applying purity test after purity test of who we think should belong at what tables. We see it happening all the time, friends. Think of it this way. There are, there are those who identify with certain political parties. And then there's a purity test of whether you're actually a part of that party or you're part of that party in name only. Purity test. Tribalism. It happens all the time. It belongs not with the people of Jesus who are to be for everyone. 
Again, we're not the first ones to bump into this or even to look at how is it that we can interact with that. With, with Jesus, as he builds his bigger table, we're invited to be part of that. In the book of Galatians, we actually see a man named Paul addressing a church, and they're asking who gets to belong? Who gets to matter? And are they the people who have a certain ethnic lineage? Are they the people who don't? Are they the people who do certain things to their bodies or the people who don't? Who gets to belong? What is the tribalism that we get to live into? And here's what the writer responds. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with him. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Who gets to belong at the table? Anyone who receives the gift of Jesus. That's the threshold. That's it. Purity test. Have you received the gift of Jesus? Yes, you belong at the table. You are a full value member of his family. You get to have voice and opportunity with him. This is what is being said here. Around each of these different groupings, male and female, slave and free, Jew and Greek, there was opportunity to, to rally around tribalism. There was opportunity to declare who gets to lead and who doesn't. But you see, if we're all full value members of the family, if we're all invited to the table, we're all invited to even have leadership presence as Jesus transforms us and moves us into more. It's not by accident that these groupings are included here. Church, our high invitation is to be people who by the very way we live, the very way we interact, not only with ourselves but with those around us, that they hear consistently this message, you belong and your presence matters because of who Jesus is and what he has done. Again, this isn't a fresh thing. The New Testament has uh, uh, moments that are just completely filled with these invitations to be people who say and know you ma your presence matters, you belong. We also see it actually toward the beginning of the story of the people of God called Israel. These were those who were first given the mission, the purpose of declaring you belong and your presence matters. And he says, so... The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. There's this sense that God is just and right and powerful. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, so give, giving them food and clothing. So you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Every time you see the word foreigner in that passage, you can replace it with the term outsider. Anybody who's an outsider, God loves them. He is active in, in seeing them come into fullness of life, that they belong and their presence matters. Because God's heart is one for fullness and thriving and living in all that he has for us, the people of Israel here are basically told, hey, build a table in such a way that people here, you belong and your presence matters. That wouldn't be seen in its fullness until Christ. And yet, we are recipients of who Jesus is. 
and what he offers. I recognize that we are a church in transition heritage, that we are waiting for who God is calling to be the next senior pastor of this wonderful body called Heritage Church. It's actually a a privileged space that we get to occupy as we wait for that. It really is. But here's what I want you to hear. No matter who the next senior pastor is, Heritage is going to be about pursuing the heart of Jesus and living that out for the world around us. And so that means that you and I don't have to wait until that's identified. We can live right now as people who every day live out the fullness of what it means to be people who say you belong and your presence matters. To be people who say that to those who are unborn. We live as people who, yes, we would probably say we are for life. And so to the unborn, we say you belong and your presence matters. And so we partner with places like Pregnancy Resources and Women's Choice Center to help honor life, but we're for all of life. And so to to the mom who's struggling with whether or not to keep her child, I want you to hear you belong and your presence matters. And we're partnered with organizations who can come alongside you and journey with you. To the, to the, vulnerable child who is lost and forgotten. We need to declare and be people who say you belong and your presence matters. And that's why we support different organizations like Shiloh Children's Ranch, who's here today, and we're going to hear from them in in a little bit, to the family crying out about how to figure it out financially, how to live in, in brokenness and depressed circumstances, heritage. You need to be in those spaces. We need to be there together declaring you belong and your presence matters. And so we create space at things like Jefferson Elementary School where we literally create a seat at the table for lunch buddies to come in and sit with a child and remind them at lunch, you belong and your presence matters. We've been asked to provide that. We need you to be able to, to do that. We create space where we tell people who are food insecure, who are wondering where their next meal is coming from. You belong and your presence matters when we participate in things like the Meals from the Heartland food packing event that's coming up in just a matter of weeks, where we're going to commit to filling 40,000 meals for families in need. You are more than invited to be part of that. It's a great family serve. To those who are vulnerable, to the immigrant and the refugee, to the oppressed, to those who feel like they've not yet been invited to the tables of opportunity, of power, of relationship. We are saying you belong and your presence matters because of who Jesus is and what he has done. We get to be about it. I need you to hear this. In your circumstance, Right now, wherever you are, hear these words. In fact, I want you to say them to the person sitting next to you. You belong and your presence matters. Now say it back, but say it like you actually believe that's true. I believe for some of you, as you were hearing that, there was something that lit up in your heart and spirit where you need to receive that. Where do you need to receive this truth that you belong and your presence matters? Where do you need to let this wash over you and fill you? Because, friend, it is true. 
you belong, your presence matters. Receive the gift of Jesus and watch what he does in that. If you want help with that, come see a member of our team or let us know in the Church Center app. We'll process that with you and help you take next steps. So I wonder, where do you need to receive this truth, but also, how are you being invited to live it out for the sake of others? Every day, as you live within the presence of Jesus, how are you being invited to declare, maybe with these actual words, but certainly the sentiment ought to drive, as you interact with every person you see, you belong, and your presence matters. How are you being invited to to make that true for the people in your own home, for the people in your workplace, for the people where you go to school, for the people that you interact with in the store, to just say you belong and your presence matters? How are you going to participate in the work God is doing in and through the family of heritage? We get to be partnered with all kinds of great organizations. And as I mentioned earlier, there's one here today. I'm actually going to invite our our friend Denise up from Shiloh Children's Ranch. They are people who are actively declaring. They are actively living out in in fellowship and ministry to children who are abused and neglected and at risk and living out the message, you belong and your presence matters. You're part of this story because you're part of Heritage and we get to interact with them together. I'm so grateful for them and the ministry that they provide and I want you to hear about that. So would you welcome our our friend Denise up as she shares with us. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you you very much. Good morning, everyone. And I am delighted to be here. I'm from Shiloh Christian Children's Ranch and I will tell you right now, right from the beginning, that this message blends in so well with what you have done for us at Shiloh, what ones coming have done to interact with our kids, and what our calling is to do is to tell these kids they belong and that their presence is needed. We need them. We need what's going to come from them. Shiloh is a home that started back in 1977. It was kind of a dream of some guys, and they wanted to bring that together. We now have uh, homes at a Clarence site and a Cahoka site, uh, kind of up in the tip-top part of Missouri, right up there. There's three homes, two with kids and a relief. Our way, there's four homes and one relief home, and we have a mom and a dad, a married couple that are in the home, and we have up to 10 kids in our homes. So we live it out every day, the good days and the bad days, the good times, the happy times, and the low times, and we have to learn times. And that's what we've wanted to do is say that's our home, and that's the home for them. We take kids in from all different ages, Some places won't take them when they get too much older because, oh, there's a few other issues that start coming. But we say, let's work with these kids. So we have kids that are growing on up. We want them to be involved in our homes. We have uh, from little ones that will want to help with making a repair in the house. Uh, We have kids that we want them getting involved at school whether it's in a sport, uh, archery we have, whether it happens to be music and a play that's coming up next week that we're all going to be part of watching some kids. But that involvement 
that they can start belonging and they can have a place. We want them to be at church and uh, be able to sing, to be able to share. They go to camps. We try to do a lot of these things that would be some normal processing that we have kids be involved with and do. Um, then, of course, we have ones that we have growing up. If we make it through some of those growing up years, it's tough to get kids to graduation. I don't know if you've raised any teenagers, but sometimes they think they know more than you. And sometimes they like to express that by saying they're going to do their own thing. Okay, so we try to talk through hanging in there, getting to graduation. And we have ones that graduate from high school. And I, Kevin and I have taken about 18 some kids off to college. Does that mean they graduated college? No but they had an opportunity. We have ones that uh, have graduated recently from high school. These two girls were in my home for a number of years. They both graduated, had a few other plans, and now they are both in uh, a town nearby. They've moved in together. They are paying their own bills. Woohoo! You know, these are things we want them to do. We want them to learn to do that, and that's part of their process. They are doing school. They're also working with people. Uh, we witnessed them being kind of ministering to some people on the street one day, uh, praying with them, giving some money for some food. But that's what groups that come, people that share, what I'm wanting our kids to take is how to continue that, how to continue to give, how to continue to be that person that brings something to someone else in their life. Um, we have kids that grow up. Michael, the daddy that's there, he moved in with us when he was five years old. There was a family of seven. They moved in. Michael's graduated. We've done wedding. Uh, we've done babies. And we get to be grandpa and grandma. That's some pretty good stuff. That's what I want is to be there for these kids to be a family that they can still have for some foundation and some security. That's not always easy, but that's what we hope to do that they will find. I've had several kids that have gone into the military. Jake, uh, right here in the middle, is a senior this year, but he did National Guard boot camp this summer. That was a lot of growing up to do in one summer. <clears throat> and he has done it, and hopefully he can get on through this senior year and wants to go to be a lineman. Uh, what I want to show you is a couple pictures. This was a beginning project. Your troop of people who have come for a number of years, came this year, and we were tearing off that whole roof. Now, just in that, that is a big job. And we've asked them to do an awful lot of things through the years, but that's a big job. It was miserably hot during that time. We started work at 6 in the morning so we could get some of this hot work done, maybe take a little break and do again. But they hung in there and we got it all off and they were putting trusses back up and working away. This guy right out here was crawling all over it. Uh, he was doing a great job. I'm going, okay, everybody take care. Be safe. Uh, but that is some important stuff and we have a lot of it done. The inside is now being taken care of and those are things that have helped us. Uh, that's going to be trying some new things in a house that we're going to do. The most important thing, though, comes to our growing in the Lord. And when we have baptisms, when we have someone that says, yes, I want Jesus, 
we say hallelujah. In fact, in our house, we have fireworks. We make fireworks go and we say, let's rejoice in this. Let's rejoice in this. Then there's the steps of how do I let that happen? How do I say I now belong? How do I say I want my presence known in that I'm going to grow in the Lord? So that's what we have to. We thank you for being part of a group that's with us, that stands behind us. Let me tell you, as a house parent that some days can go lousy, I think about groups. I think about people. I think about churches that have prayed and given. And you give me that little bit of oomph to get back at it and do what I need to do. Thank you for being the people who have done that.
This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. Solo en ti soy libre. Solo en ti arriba. Cielos en armonía. A ti adoramos. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. We are so thankful to be able to praise His name together. And we are thankful for you and your connection here with us at Heritage Church. Now, what I would love to invite you to do is to prayerfully consider what your next step with Heritage and with God might be. Maybe that's connecting in our online services and maybe stepping into the chat feature and saying, hey, this is who I am. I'm glad that I'm here. And just interacting with our pastor who loves to just chat and have great conversation during the service. Maybe you would love to take a step and, and join us for one of our in-space physical services at Rock Island or at Bettendorf at 9, 9.30, uh, 11 or 11.30, depending on which campus you connect with. Um, those are great spaces to be able to just continue to engage deeper within the body of Christ, but also to see a number of the ministries and interact with different ways of connecting and serving within Heritage, but also within the community as a whole. So we'd love to invite you to check that out. If you want to learn a little bit more about just the ministries of Heritage or how to connect in a more kind of background way, you can go to heritageqc.com and there you can learn about all sorts of different ways of connection. You can look for groups, uh, you can look for places to continue to find service. You can also find how to give to ministries like this one so that we can continue to produce great programming that you can intersect with and engage with and connect with God with each and every week. Again, we are so thankful for you, for the ways that you are journeying along with us. We invite you to continue to pursue God, pursue others, and to live into your purpose today.